Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. I want you to know today is a setup. You've been set up. Uh huh. I know some of y'all only here just to shut that nagging family member up that won't stop inviting you to church. And you thought you was at church today just to get them off your back. But you've been set up. I, I know you think why you know why you're here. But let me help you to know so you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt because you, you might think, well, you don't know nothing about me. How are you going to tell? I know this about you. I don't care why you think you are here. Let me help you. I know why you are here. You are here because Holy Ghost set you up. You thought you was coming to see grandbaby. You thought you was coming to take pictures of your little pumpkin. And God said, oh, it's okay, that's okay, that's okay. I, t- I used your pumpkin to get you in the house so that you could be reminded of what this day really is all about. And when you leave here today, look, I got a smile on my face. I'm going to be sweet and cuddly when I say this, but it ain't going to sound sweet and cuddly. When you leave here today, if you don't choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior, baby, it's on you. It ain't on this house, it ain't on your pumpkin, and it ain't on me. Because your pumpkin done told you Jesus is the way. Your grandbaby done told you Jesus is alive and he's the way. Every song that you heard and sung done told you that Jesus is alive and he's the way. I'm about to show you something here today that's going to help you. But let me tell you something. When you stand before God, and you will stand before God one day, you will not be able to throw anybody else under the bus. You will not be able to plead ignorance. Your pumpkin done preached the gospel to you. You've been set up. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you've been set up. All right, y'all take a break for a minute. Y'all take a break. John chapter 19 verse 28 says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. He's on the cross. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there. They had filled a sponge with sour wine. He, they dipped it in, put, put on hyssop, and put it in his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. What was finished? I'm going to give you the, the turbo version. Here's the turbo version. You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell and ate of the fruit. Everybody knows that story. And when they ate of the fruit and they knew that they were naked and the curse came upon the earth. And God began to speak proclamations over this earth because of the repercussions of that action. He looked at the serpent and he's called, he, he wasn't talking to a snake, he was talking to the devil. He said, let me tell you something. You think you've won a big battle here, but you don't even know what you've done. You don't even know how you've set yourself up for ultimate destruction. Because there is a seed coming of a woman. And when that seed is birthed, and of course Isaiah prophesied that that seed would be implanted into a virgin womb from the Holy Spirit himself. And when that seed comes forth, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall 
save his people from their sins. He will rise up. He will live a sinless life. He will live for 30 years and at age 30, the same year that it was in the, in the Levitical law that you were approved to be a priest, he would walk into the temple, find the place that Isaiah's scroll had written, opened it up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. When he looked at that serpent, he said, when that seed comes on the scene, you're going to think you're going to take him out and you're going to strike his heel. And when you strike his heel and inject your poison into him, it's going to look like you killed him. It's going to look like you finally won the battle because he is the son of God and you'll know that he is God. And when you see him close his eyes and when you hear him say it is finished and you hear him bow his head and die, you're going to rejoice. But you don't understand what's going to happen. The Bible said that he told that serpent that when you bruise his heel, the very act of you bruising his heel will cause him to crush your head. Are y'all hearing me? When Jesus died on the cross and said it is finished and the devil started rejoicing, his rejoicing only lasted for a brief moment because when Jesus said it is finished, the, the heavens and the sky went dark. The earth began to shake. It was an earthquake like Jerusalem had ever seen. There's a fault line that opened up right under the temple and when the fault line began to shake the temple there was a veil that was the thick of a span of, of, of two man's hands that's how thick it was much like that veil right there and that veil separated man from God and only once a year could a man go behind that curtain for the sins of the entire nation of Israel but when Jesus said it is finished that veil was ripped in two the Bible says from top to bottom like you would rip a piece of paper that veil was about three times as high as that veil and they didn't have a scaffold for somebody to go up there and cut it with a piece of scissors you can't cut something that high unless you're above it and you just reach down oh my god god reached down and tore that veil like a piece of paper and the separation between god and man was gone my god are y'all hearing me for three days they put his body in a borrowed tomb how many knows if you know you ain't gonna stay dead why you want to go ahead and get a burial plan why you want to go ahead and go down to the funeral home and pay every month on a casket if you know good and well you ain't gonna stay there you just gonna go to somebody and say hey man can I borrow your tomb for a few days borrow my tomb for a few days but he didn't get it uh, Joseph of Arithmetia didn't get it but he said you know what I'll just donate it to the cause because I'm a believer but what he didn't know is Jesus was trying to say don't worry Joseph you'll still get to be buried there you'll still get it back I only need it for three days hallelujah my God while he was in that tomb for three days, he wasn't just laying there doing nothing. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 4, he that ascended was also he that first descended into the lower parts of the earth. While his body lay in that tomb, the spirit man of Jesus, the word of God that had become flesh, went down into the depths of hell. Went down, the Bible said, kicked the gates open of hell, walked in and made an open show of the devil. My God, made an open show of the devil in front of his demons, mocked him, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the devil. Woo! What kind of man ain't got keys to his own house? Hallelujah. What kind of man ain't got keys to his own house? You try to tell me, come see you at your house. I show up at your house and we got to stand outside to wait for your wife to come home to let you in. I'm going to question your manhood. I'm going to say, why ain't you got keys? Well, she took my keys. I got to wait for her to open up. Let me tell you something. You afraid of a devil that ain't even got keys to his own house? My God, he's trying to threaten you. He's trying to mock you. And he ain't even got keys to his own house.
Somebody get rid of this. I'm going to hide it. It's a piece of paper. Well, can I breathe for a minute? While his body laid in that tomb for three days, he went into a place called Abraham's bosom. Remember when he was on the cross, that thief that was nailed to him said, Master, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? Oh, are you hearing me? He looked at the thief. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Paradise was Abraham's bosom. It was in the depths of hell, the depths of earth. It was separated, a great gulf separated hell from, the, from Abraham's bosom. Jesus went down in the spirit realm while his body laid in that tomb. He emptied out. He made an sh- open show of the devil of hell, took the keys of death, held in the grave, and then he went over to Abraham's bosom. And when he got over to Abraham's bosom, there was Moses. <laughs> When he got over to Abraham's bosom, there was King David. When he got over to Abraham's bosom, there was Isaiah. They were still talking about the Messiah. They were still preaching about the Messiah. All the famous people were there. But then all of a sudden, this unknown showed up standing right next to this man named Jesus. They're like, who does this guy? He was the first Christian ever. He was the man that was hanging on the cross next to him. Showed up standing right next to Paul. Excuse me, right next to all the Old Testament saints. Standing there with royalty. Jesus introduced him. Introduced himself. He said, Isaiah, when you said that I would be, that the Messiah would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace would be upon him and by his stripes they are healed. Well this back is the back you was talking about. Hallelujah. Oh David when you said he would be beaten beyond recognition that they would nail it to a cross and be put to open shame. These holes in my wrists are what you talked about because every one of y'all looked for the day that the Messiah would come. I am the Messiah. I am before you were Moses. I am before you were Elijah. I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. Now you got to get something. The first altar call of the New Testament church was not in Jerusalem. It was in the pits of this earth. Because Moses, as powerful as Moses was, he had to confess that Jesus was the Messiah. King David, a man after God's own heart, said, you are the Messiah. Are y'all hearing me? They, one by one, began to proclaim that he is the Messiah, everyone that was there. And the Bible said, up top, on the third day, things started rocking and rolling. And all of a sudden, that stone that had been put on the tomb, sealed with the Roman Empire seal. Guards, armed guards standing, making sure no one would come in and steal his body. And make up that he, had, that he would do what he prophesied he would do. Because he told them, I'm not going to stay dead. He told them that. The Roman Empire knew that he had said that. They knew that if he actually did do that, or if somebody was to stage the event, that they would lose their control over the people of Israel. But something was going on inside on the other side of that rock those soldiers didn't know about. Jesus' body had been laying there wrapped in that, in that, uh, in that, turn, that, that cloth. But the Bible says that after he was raised from the dead, And Peter and John ran into the empty tomb. They found the napkin 
that would, they would lay over the head of the dead man. They would wrap their body in a, in a tunic and they, they would lay a napkin on his head. Just a piece of cloth on the dead man's head. They found that it had been folded up neatly and was placed into the corner. This is what your Bible said. Whoa, come on, y'all hearing me. So while the Roman soldiers were standing on the other side, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost, thinking that they, all is well, almost so thinking it's almost all is well, they start drifting off to sleep. They start having a peace come on them. You know why there was a peace coming on? They, they didn't even realize that the peacemaker had just walked back into the room. Praise God. On the other side of the stone, the one that loved the Roman soldier, the same one that drove the nails to his hand, he said on that cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand that the, that, that the hand that is holding the nail, the hand that is holding the hammer, is everybody's hand. It's your hand. It's my hand. It's got to happen. They don't understand. I've got to die. They don't understand. I've got to suffer. Because when I suffer, I'm not just suffering for the ones that would come. I'm not just suffering for Solid Rock Church. I'm not just suffering for Christians in modern day time. I'm suffering and dying for the very ones that's driving the nails in my hand. On the other side, he wasn't placing judgment on those Roman soldiers on the other side. He just said, you do your job. I'm doing my job on this side too. He stood up. He folded that napkin. I could just almost imagine it. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords just sort of straightened himself because he had on the garb of the priestly garb. He was dressed in white from top to bottom. But by, he was because the Bible says he was the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He was dressed away because it was right at Passover time. He was dressed away. He had told the priest to dress when they were going to take the blood of the lamb once a year behind that veil. But remember there wasn't no veil anymore here on this earth. Why? Because we don't need no priest anymore. We don't need nobody going going to God for us anymore. The Bible says there is but one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. He is our priest. And he stood up, straightened himself. I can almost see him walking over to the rock. And I don't know how it worked. I don't know if he just did this. If he looked at the angel and said, move that thing. I don't know. But somehow that stone rolled away. And he just walked out. And here's what I love about Jesus in your Bible. This ain't in my notes, but I got to preach it. I'm telling you, I love this about Jesus. Jesus didn't immediately leave the premises he hung around the empty tomb why did he hang around the empty tomb because he knew somebody was coming any moment to check on him to put spices on his dead body so they wouldn't stink he knew the Roman soldiers would roll that stone away to let Mary Magdalene come in and pour the ointment on his body to keep his body from stinking he said you know what I'm just going to hang around here I'm going to wait on my, my chosen vessel and and she comes in she finds the tomb empty the Bible says she finds an angel and the angel looks at looks at her my God do y'all feel the Holy Ghost the angel looks at her and said why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here for he is risen just like he said my God are y'all hearing me Whoa, I feel God he's she he she looks in there. She goes, my God, well, I don't understand what's happening. She's in her mind is a, a going a thousand miles an hour. She's walking across the, the garden. She's walking across the, the, the grass, the hillside of where the tomb was. And while she's walking, just sort of chaotic in her mind, a man dressed in white walks right by, just sort of nods at her, just keeps walking. Oh, and the Bible said that she didn't recognize him. She thought he was the caretaker of the tombs. 
My God, are y'all hearing me? But, she, but there's a reason he hung around. He wasn't going to let her miss her moment as, as he just stopped and turned around and watched her walking away. I could almost imagine in his mind saying, she don't even know that I just passed. So here's, here's how I know she'll know it's me because my sheep know my voice. Hallelujah. My God. So she said, the Bible said, Jesus turned around while Mary was walking away and just simply said, Mary. Oh, and when he said, Woo! Oh, how many knows the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, hung around for one person, hung around to give one person special attention. Mary, she froze. She knew that voice. She turned around. Then she looked at his face because the last time she saw him, he was beaten beyond recognition. She looked at him and she realized, oh, it's him. She takes off running towards him. Jesus, read your Bible. Jesus says, I'm quoting your Bible. He said, Mary, touch me not, for I've not yet ascended to my father. But I need you to go into Jerusalem and tell my disciples and Peter that I'm coming to them. I'm coming back to that with my next, with my six minutes I got left. Tell my disciples and Peter I'm coming to them. Praise God. Well the reason he said touch me not had nothing to do with the fact that she was a woman. Praise God. If that was the case he wouldn't even have hung around. He knew who was coming. He called her. He knew that when he called her name she was going to be the first one to ever witness a resurrected king. She was going to be the first one to ever carry the gospel. You won't try to tell me a woman can't preach? Let me tell you what, the, what preaching is. It's telling people about Jesus. The very first person that was able to preach the resurrection, the very first person that was ever able to tell human beings he is not in the tomb, he is alive, just like he said he was, was a woman. I wish my women in here praise the Lord. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I got five minutes. He said, don't touch me because he knew his own word, his own law. The Levitical law said when the priest went in at Passover, not even his own wife could touch him. No human flesh could touch him until he had taken the blood upon the altar and put the blood on the altar for the sins of people. And then everyone that loved him could touch him. He was dressed as a priest of God. The Bible says in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it says that, uh, if the blood of bulls and goats would have been sufficient, there would be no need for a New Testament. But the New Testament was birthed at the death of the lamb, at the death of the testator. When he said it is finished, he committed himself. The Holy Spirit gathered the, his own blood. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, and I quote, and yet once he entered into the, the place of heaven with his own blood and put it upon on the altar for our sins a place where sin does not decay a place where blood does not uh, dry up meaning it is still fresh today that when the devil comes to you and tries uh, comes to God and tries to remind God of the sins that you have committed and that you are not worthy I'm going to tell you something the father looks at the altar and the blood is still there praise God that's why it might sound crazy to you but that's why uh, Holy Ghost believers still plead the blood of Jesus my God over our children my children they didn't know what was going on 
before they would get up and go to that school sometimes they couldn't stand it both of them they, they wanted to hurry up and get to school I'd say stop and stick your head out they'd stick their head out and I'd plead the blood of Jesus over them before I'd go to before they'd go to school my God are y'all hearing me we're pleading the blood of Jesus the last thing I want to tell you is this about that resurrection that I love it he made a point. This, this is how personal our God is. He made a point to call Mary by name. Then he gave Mary specific instructions. Go into Jerusalem. He didn't say these words, but he knew this. My great men of God that won't even come out here and see me like you, they're, they're in hiding, fearing for their life. But I'll show you where they are. Go. And when you find them, Go tell them I'm alive and I'm coming to them. That would have been powerful enough. But his words to Mary was, go into Jerusalem and tell my disciples and Peter. <laughs> Every time I read that, it wrecks me because I know what's happening. Because Peter was called the rock. He's told Peter, you are the rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter was the, the, was the leader of the group. But Peter was also the one that he said, let me tell you something about you that you don't know about you. I know you better than you know you. Before the rooster even crows tonight, you'll deny that you even knew me three times. And the third time that you deny me, you will curse me. You will curse me. People, people get, up when I, get upset when I say this. You look up curse. It doesn't mean speak a curse. It means cuss. It means I don't know. Can I be real with y'all? That mother effing Jesus. Quit asking me about that effing Jesus. I don't give you the, the right to talk like that. But I'm just telling you. Peter, Peter lost. That was the only way Peter could shut him up. And the Bible said when he cursed that third time. The very moment that he cursed him, standing by the campfire, he looked up and Jesus walked right by in chains and made eye contact with him. Jesus heard him say that. It's in your Bible. The Bible said he collapsed. Peter did. Ran behind a wall and began to weep. And as he's weeping, he hears the rooster crow. That's why people put roosters on their houses now. It goes all the way back to the Protestant church, you know, the Catholic church believing that Peter was the first pope. That's debatable. I don't believe that. But there was, it was a mocking. Your pope, don't forget what your pope did. And they would put them on top of their houses. Protestants were to mock the Catholics because that was supposed to be in the mind of the devil, his legacy. That no matter what he did during those three and a half years of ministry, his legacy was the last thing he did for Jesus was to curse him with the worst curse words you can say and make eye contact with him when he said it. But Jesus said, you make sure Peter knows that I called his name. I got a feeling there's some Peters in this house that have let God down. I got a feeling there's some people in here today that, that are ashamed of the decisions that some of you have made about yourself. You have secrets that nobody knows about, but God knows. Here's the powerful thing about when he called Peter's name. He was talking about Peter, but it speaks to us. 
he was calling my name to. Because when he come out of that tomb, he had individuals. He had the corporate world, but he also had individuals on his mind. I remember the old song when I was a kid, when he was on that cross, I was on his mind. You remember that? I used to remember like when I was a kid, I'd think, that don't make no sense. How was he thinking about Larry Joe Raglan? 2,000 years from the cross. Well, first of, all, first of all, our ways are not his ways. But second of all, when God speaks the word mankind, he knows everyone that, that encompasses. For God so loved the world, when he says world, his meaning of the world is not your meaning of the world. Your meaning of the world is a globe and you think it'll be. When God says, for God so loved the world, he's talking about every single hu individual human being that makes up the world that he knows by name. The Bible said he has every hair on your head if you've got any left numbered. How many, how, many, how many would like to be the record keeper in heaven that keeps record of hairs and you lost your last one? And it's like, well, he's out of the book. Peter. Forty days later, Peter's walking around. He's, his mind is still. And by the way, it's 12.02, but I'm, I'm through preaching. This is the altar call. I nailed it. I nailed it. Forty days, Peter walked around with Jesus. Forty days, you still see people getting, Peter getting frustrated because even while Jesus walked around in resurrected form, Peter just gets upset one day and says, I'm going fishing. He leaves Jesus and just goes fishing. He's out there fishing. Jesus, one of the last things he does, he, he goes on the banks in the resurrected form. He makes a fire. This is right at 39, 40 days after his resurrection. He makes a fire. He gets it all ready. He walks over to the bank. They're, they're in the distance fishing. They don't ever know who it is. He yells out, y'all catch anything? No. It's terrible. Catching the, throw your net on the other side. Don't you think we've done that? Not stupid. Just do it. All right. They throw their net on the other side, and so many fish come in that net that as they pull it in, the Bible says, the boat began to weigh down, and the nets began to break. See, when Jesus shows up, fish are caught. Remember the first thing he said to the first disciple when he called him is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So he said, bring them in. So as they're getting close, they know who he is. So how awesome is this of a resurrected Jesus? He cooks the fish for them. Skins the fish, scales the fish, whatever, flays them, cooks them, and begins to feed his disciples. And one of the last things he says is this, corporately to his group of 12 disciples. He looks at Peter. He sees that look on Peter's face. Peter knows that God loves him, but he can't seem to shake what he's done. And Peter thinks, I'll never get over this. I'll never forgive myself. I'll never be able to look him in the eyes again. And Jesus makes sure that he does. Peter, look at me, son. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where God had to just make you look at him? 
because you could not pick your head up on your own. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've been there where I've been so ashamed that I would feel the Holy Spirit just trying to speak to me, and I could not even raise my head. I could feel the Holy Spirit just raise my chin. Look at me. He looked at Peter and said, Peter, I want to ask you a question. Do you love me? Of course I love you, Lord. You know that. Okay, thank you. Your head goes down again. Peter, look at me. I'm going to ask you again. Do you love me? Second time. Lord, of course I love you. I walked away from everything, my career, everything for you. You know I love you. Okay. Peter, look at me, son. You listen to me good this time. Do you love me? All three times when he said, do you love me, God responded with something. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And that third time when he said that, something changed on the countenance of Peter because he realized God has given me three chances to say I love you in place of the three denials. He took, come on, are y'all hearing me? He took that kind of time with Peter. That's what he wants to do with you today. Peter, that same Peter that couldn't hold his head up in less than a week would stand up in a room full of 120 people when the Holy Ghost fell and the church was established. That same Peter that couldn't even hold his head up because he was in so much shame was the one that stood up in the midst of 120 and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. And he began to prophesy the beginning of the church. And then just three hours later, he walked out of that room, praise God, and into the street. And he found the same man that he had passed hundreds of times laying at this gate going into the temple begging for some money begging for some change something happened something happened to Peter something changed him Peter went from shame to a boldness he says man I ain't got no money but whatever I got you can have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise and walk and the man got up and went leaping and dancing let me tell you what changed Peter it was the power of the resurrection it was the power of a resurrection Savior. The Bible says that same power that raised Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Somebody get up on your feet if you're thankful for the resurrection power of God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Remain standing. I know we done had an altar call and I know if you need to slip out, you can. But I'm asking you, if, if you can, if you give, I promise you, three minutes. Three minutes to do this. You will not regret it. Your mama will understand because your mama has been praying for you to be in church anyway. I know we didn't have an altar call. But I got a feeling there's some Peters in here.
I got a feeling there's some people that don't feel worthy of being in the presence of God. But Jesus is calling your name. It's almost like he's old Mary. Mary, go tell my disciples and Jean. Go tell my disciples and Delane. Go tell my disciples and Jim and Richard. Because that's what he meant. That's what he's saying to you. Your destiny is not shame. Your destiny is forgiveness. So if that's you, nobody's going to ask you what you did. Just come and stand. Because I've stood there. I've been Peter many times in my life. Don't move. Be respectful for three minutes. Who is it? If it's one, it's worth it. Thank you, son. Who else? It's worth it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Who else? Who else? Who else? Two minutes. Two more minutes is all I'm asking. Two more minutes. Thank you. Thank you. My God, I love this. Let me tell you something. Greater, greater things are ahead of you. You're not, you're not defined by what you've done. You're defined by who God says you are. And he's calling your name. Come on. Thank God for you, sister. Is there anybody else? Come on, son. Are you thankful for people obeying God? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Who else? Let me tell you something. You're going to hold your head up today. You're going to leave, you're going to leave here today with your head held high. Because I'm going to tell you something that, that you, you can't wrap your mind around because it seems impossible. But here, your pastor, no matter what you have done, no matter, no matter how bad you think it was and is, it must bow to the name of Jesus and to the blood of Jesus. When you pray this prayer, because you had to push through a lot of things to walk up here. Because by you saying that, you're saying, I'm dealing with shame. I'm dealing with things I've judged myself on. But the hardest part of all this process is you getting where you're at right now. Because I'm telling you something, your faith is sufficient because you are standing here. So when you pray this prayer, you know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Just like Jesus said on that cross, you can say over your life, it is finished. It is over. I'm not dealing with it anymore. There is no shame. I am a child of God. 30 seconds. Anyone else? No shame. 20 seconds. This is Resurrection Sunday. 10 seconds. I love you, son. Thank you. Look who's standing next to you. Look who's standing next to you. God is doing something in families. Five seconds. Let's pray. Church, pray with me. Oh. 
whatever, how you want to pray. Just say these words in your own way. You ain't got to repeat them out loud, but right now, just talk to God. Just ask Him to forgive you, to restore. This is, this is, this is my prayer. You can pray my prayer, but this is my prayer. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me. All of my past and all of my sins. God, I'm asking you to restore the joy of my salvation. I'm asking you, Lord, to you are the lifter of my head. Lift my head. Give me hope. Let me leave with hope today, God. That I'm forgiven. I am delivered and I am free. There is no shame and there is no guilt and there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That same power, Jesus, that raised you from the dead is raising me from my tomb today. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. On Resurrection Sunday, I'll never forget it, 2021. It was the day I finally got the victory. I finally left it behind. I will raise my head up and I will stand on that rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a praise right now.